Hello and welcome to a new episode of MENA Research Center Islam and Europe podcast. Today it's not about uh, news from Europe regarding Islam, integration, migration, etc. But today I would like to introduce you to a very interesting colleague and friend of mine, Mikael Privo, an Islamic scientist, a Muslim himself. He works for several NGOs and is very active in uh, the Islam education Europe-wide. He's also very active in uh, Reformation discussions regarding Islam in Europe. And I thought it would be very interesting to have a talk with him on those topics. So I hope you find it interesting. It will be a little bit longer than uh, the previous episodes, but uh, we have summer. We can sit and lie on the beach and listen to interesting podcasts around the world. So enjoy the show. And as always, um, if you have any questions or remarks, please send us a note and we'll get back to you and also start a discussion on the topics we cover today in our episode, our talk with Mikael Privot. Michael, thanks. Thanks for, for having you here for our special podcast uh, episode. And uh, I think we, we, we never met each other in person, only via <laughs> Zoom, etc., etc. But uh, our contact was already quite, quite intense, quite interesting. And yeah. that was also the reason why I thought you would be uh, a perfect guest for, for one of our podcast episodes. So before, before going into detail, and I don't want to, to introduce you by myself, so just introduce yourself to, to, the, to the audience. <laughs> thank you very much, Michael, and thank you for having me on your podcast. Um, yeah, so I'm Michael Privot. Um, I'm about to be 48 um, by this date. Um, I, by, by training, I'm an Islamologist. Um, I have a PhD in um, Islamic philosophy, more specifically metaphysics and, and those kind of issues. Um, I've been working in different jobs um, as a researcher at university for a few years. I've also been quite long in civil society in the anti-racist movement at European level, uh, which I quit last year, actually, and uh, decided to move to something else. Um, I'm working now as a, as a consultant um, in the area of uh, diversity and inclusion, but also public diplomacy in support of the, of the EU, um, also on strategic development of organizations. Uh, and I'm working with yeah, companies, but also public administration. I'm also um, training, uh, training the police, training the judiciary. I've been working quite a lot uh, on, of course, my, my field of, 
of, of research, which is like mainly Islam and how to understand Islam today. Um, um, training as well uh, on the, the how to uh, prevent the radicalization of, um, of uh, young Muslims in particular, or how to counter then the radicalization of, of uh, Muslims. Um, and uh, looking specifically into the, uh, I would say the theological and ideolo uh, religiously ideological uh, elements of radicalization. Um, I think that has been my vintage point into, into the issue. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, this is uh, this is a little bit me. So you you, you are you are uh, uh, in in Belgium, and you are part of probably the the French uh, uh, side. Yes, yes, I think it's right? quite obvious from my, <laughs> the way I speak English. <laughs> yeah, very heavy French accent. Uh, <laughs> so yes, I'm. I, I was born in Belgium. I'm Belgium, still living in Belgium. I'm between my home city, uh, which is Verviers, in east of uh, Belgium, not far from Aachen in Germany, um, and Brussels, where I also spent part of my life, uh, my work life, of course, but also my, my, my personal life. Um, I'm born from uh, from parents uh, that were themselves uh, from worker background so as, as we say we are the first generation going to higher studies university and then going to, to the maximum that we could do um, that's also uh, uh, an interesting part I've been uh, um, also yeah in in my other life uh, so I um, I converted to Islam when I was uh, 19 um, and uh, after, I don't know, like I was already Muslim for something like a close to a decade or so, um, I joined for um, a few years um, the uh, European Muslim Brotherhood, starting from my local mosque where I, I, I met them and, uh, and they brought me in, I would say. Um, which gave me uh, the opportunity to to um, yeah meet one or yeah or live in uh, one of the uh, Islamic or Islamist movement uh, that is uh, quite known today um, and make often the news um, um, and to see from the inside how they were working thinking and uh, meet quite a number of people um, in at European level but also in the Middle East uh, and that gave me of course a very interesting insider's view uh, on what sometimes can also lead to, to radicalization uh, from a religious yeah. perspective yeah Okay. So yeah, also a few more elements. So you, you just mentioned you, you converted when you were 19. That was probably before you went to university to, to study uh, Islam. No, I, actually it was, uh, it was uh, I, I had, uh, well, to be honest, like it, it was the follow-up of uh, some sort of uh, spiritual quest, uh, as we say, that I started with, uh, when I was about 15. Um, I, I thought I've, I, I've been raised um, as we, what, what we call uh, the um, secular um, moral in Belgium, morals in Belgium. So basically, it's for non-religious people, um, but it's a pillar also. It's a recognized uh, belief uh, in, in in Belgium by the state. So, so not, not a system. Catholic uh, background, family background. Yeah, well, well, it was a bit of a mix because uh, yeah, my, my my parents, my mother has been baptized, and uh, I was she was coming from a very uh, uh, practicing Catholic family. So I'm baptized myself, um, um, but she did not believe anymore. 
that point in time so she she chose to put us in the um, in this um, path, I would say, um, because we have uh, in public schools in Belgium, like uh, also in some some states in Germany, like um, a religious education in public schools. And when you're not pertaining to one of the religion, uh, recognized uh, religions, then you you often go to that um, secular morals or ethics, uh, which I follow until I was I was at the end of my secondary school. But when I was 15, I thought like, yeah, maybe that would be some interesting to explore what believe what believing could could bring to your life. Uh, and it took me uh, yeah a few years to to learn somewhere. I uh, interested myself, of course, to Buddhism, which I found a bit too far away from us in terms of you know mentality and imagination, etc. Uh, I think this is more a teenage thing. Yes, kind of. Movie. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. Well, this is you. You want you you dream about the extreme Orient as we were saying etc but then i said like mm, maybe too far away let's try to narrow down the, the search um and so i i got interested in what well, uh, in catholicism and say like look at your christian roots maybe and uh, also to judaism um and i, I was fortunate enough to to have a, a jewish neighbor who brought me to the synagogue and we discussed uh, for hours etc so it was really interesting for me but then i started university uh when i was 18 and i started immediately in the field of islamic studies and for me it was just like brand new and that's how i i really get interested into islam but because we were kind of learning it at university but and why, i met why, why did you choose the the, the special islamic field when oh, yeah. it was um, i mean you could also do something like comparative religious studies or something like yes, that. yes which i which i did after ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no well actually that was that was a very simple one i wanted to i did by that time i was dreaming of some diplomatic career of something like that uh, and but i wanted i I had I was done with uh, uh, learning Greek, Latin, uh, German, and English, and I said I want something new. I wanted to study. Um, um, uh, I would say like uh, what is it? Uh, Sanskrit. But when I came to university to say, they told me like you know what? Sanskrit is a dead language. If you want to go to diplomatic career, try Arabic. Oh, Arabic. Why not? <laughs> so basically, that's the kind of decision that puts you on a track for the rest of your life, obviously. Um, and then yeah, starting to to learn Arabic and then Hebrew. Um, I I. Uh, uh, I, I yes, I, I found that uh, when I was 19, at that point in time, I said like, you know, um, that I found some, actually that Islam was still offering some freedom, this direct connection to God. Uh, and for me, as it was something like new territory, I had no preconceived ideas. And I mean, it was in 1992, 93. So basically we were, even before Samuel Huntington had written The Clash of Civilizations. So nobody knew really about islam so even in the you know like um, migrants at that point in time were still i wouldn't say segregated but there was no many contact between the main population and and um, um the, the migrant community so basically we had no real chance to to really exchange on that and for me it was like okay that's new there are this kind of freedom that i that i like uh, no 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 church no uh, you know uh, ecclesia i would say in that sense um so i said like okay looks fine and and i started my and alone so i converted alone in my room and i said okay from now on i'm a muslim uh and started 
started to to, to read in a, and 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 go through it in a very intellectual way. Actually, um, um, interesting myself to Sufism and uh, uh, um, Islamic philosophy. So so not really converting through socialization or friends where we've been, you know, living in the same neighborhood or whatsoever. So that that's a, a very intellectual path into into a religion. And that's only years after that I really started to get involved in the local Muslim communities. Um, uh, in, 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 yeah, it was like 10 years after that, that I started to get involved. Uh, otherwise, I was really like living on the side and not really finding a place in a community um, uh, from that perspective. So, uh, yeah, not finding it. I mean, for example, I was forcing myself to go to the, uh, we have, I think like on the, um, in my small city, we still have something like eight or eight mosques. So uh, Turkish back, mosque with a Turkish background, Moroccan background. And I was like trying to get every week to a different one to hear what was the imam saying. And to be honest, I found it so lame. <laughs> that was like, was like, don't drink, don't smoke, uh, be nice to your neighbors. Like, yeah, sure. I mean, these are basic common values. Like, you know, tell me something I don't know. Um, and uh, did not really find that. Um, and it was only years later that a new mosque opened that was... Uh, having as a plan to really talk to the youth and um, uh, do the, the the Friday, for example, the Friday prayers um, and sermon um, in, in French, um, that I said, ah, okay, that's something that's talking to me where potentially I could fit. Um, and I started there like very quickly to, to say like, look, I mean, if you want to, to translate the, the, the Friday sermon in, in, in French, I'm there. I mean, I'm, I'm Islamologist by training. Let me do that for you. Um, as I said, like, okay, fine. <laughs> There's plenty of work to do. Take your place. And I did this for four years. Um, and um, that was an interesting uh, experience of uh, translating, you know, immediately after the imam said, uh, you know, finish his sermon just to, to, to step up and, 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 and put it in French. Um, with interesting discussion sometimes with people disagreeing with my translation. But um, but at least, yeah, so that's how I really started to, um, to, to get into that, um, that journey. Ah, okay. So as a teenager, I mean, when I remember being in Verviers and also Liège, there is also a quite huge migrant community or Islam yep. community, yes. Turkey, etc. So yeah, there yeah. was no direct contact before that. Also, also, no, 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 that was not for me, at least. Uh, I was not living into, in the neighborhoods where there were a high level of, uh, of uh, a migrant communities, a high presence of migrant communities. But when we started to do some, some figures also here and to, to make some maths about what's the percentage, yeah, we, 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 we found out that more than 20% of the local population was actually uh, with a Muslim migrant background. Um, so that, that's huge for a city of uh, 50,000 inhabitants huh? uh, and uh, and we have in Verviers we have more than I think more than 120 different nationalities on the territory of the of the municipality which is what you will find in cities like Brussels or Paris but it's really unusual for a, for a city of, of, of that size um, so that's a very yeah interesting city from that from that uh, from that aspect yeah yeah and uh, when you mentioned uh, your your conversion, what what was re the reaction of your family and your let's say social environment, friends, yeah. etc.? To be honest, it was 
as, as I, I mean, I, I think that we, we, today we have really difficulties to imagine or to remember how, at least, or for the younger generation, I would say for us, we can potentially remember how it was, but Islam was so much not a topic at that point in time that people were rather like, ah, okay, yes, maybe, maybe some would knew that uh, as a Muslim, you would not drink alcohol, but that's it. I mean, and, and it was not even most of the people that would know that. So I think it was really okay. Uh, in my family, it triggered a number of interesting discussion, but I remember having that conversation with my mother, which I was very close to saying like, okay, well, are you sure that you know what you're doing? And I said like, yes, I, I think it's really what I want to do. So like, that's your story, your choice. Um, so, so go ahead and be happy. Um, um, of course, it triggered nevertheless discussions <laughs> years after uh, because uh, um, my, uh, I don't know, like it was like five or six years later, um, my, my brother first and then my mom and then my dad and then even my dad's mother, my grandmother converted to Islam in their own ways. Oh. Um, so to, I, I'm not claiming anything in that story, to be honest, because sometimes <laughs> we had to really rope this conversation. But for some reason, they they decided to i think i i just opened a door and 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 they walked through it um but the fact is uh that my actually my my mother and my father converted when i was in syria for and i was studying for a year over there in the french institute that was uh, world renowned by the time in damascus and um and then they called me one day and say like uh, well uh, we have a news to 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 tell you i said like, hey what i mean we converted to islam and i was just like what what the heck and that's, uh, so okay and then uh, i i remember that i think that my mom said at that point in time yeah i want to tell you that, I, that i've uh, chosen to wear the scarf and i was just like what <laughs> <laughs> just, you know my mom having been very uh, she was called the suffragette in her family like very you know and I, for me i was really like inconceivable but the point is that actually when they converted they really had no one around them to um to 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 guide them in their first steps within islam so basically they also went to different mosques and actually the one that really opened if i can say their door to them was the Salafi mosque of Verviers, and and so my my, my parents, my my uh, my mother and my father just entered in Islam via the Salafi way, and I can tell you that it's been really really a pain for years, um, mm -hmm. because they were in that very narrow-minded, um, um, closed-up views about Islam, and uh, yeah, to, to to I have to say that we at some point we we even could not speak to each other. And and we, we, we stayed for months without even a phone call or whatever, because we knew that if you were going into the field of discussion uh, of religion, that, that would be a fight immediately because you were really uh, opposing views on, 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 on that religion. And that's some, yeah, finally we decided we, to, to go to a truth and say like, okay, let's, let's not discuss religion when we are together because we still want to see each other because yeah, you know, it's a family ties, et cetera. And I, I really love my mother and my father. So it was really painful on for both sides. And then finally, yeah, after after a number of years, since things start cooling down, but it's it's interesting to see to have I've been experiencing myself like the impact of those kind of ideologies or those the very uh, extremely narrow views on religion, the impact that they have on family life, where actually it 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 can really split. It has split my family, but I've seen this time and again uh, in in other families, also from from different migrant backgrounds, where you have like either the children or the parents. That
that are espousing that that type of worldview, it, it never ends well. It, it's always destructive because that's this idea that they are the true religion, the true Islam is what they do. So everything else is just wrong. And uh, so they putting pressure on you to, to try to align on their views. Um, and uh, that's 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 really um, um, yeah that, that's really painful to 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 live that through yeah and and some families don't recover from that really. Uh, I understand. So when you just when you just just uh, described uh, this this path you took, um, how would how would you describe how how the the belief of the the religion towards Islam, um, how it changed in you personally uh, while going this path uh, in in the religion. Yeah, um, where were the the, the key points? Mm, yeah, I think it's about you know I was I was coming uh, as from a from a really open, I would say, agnosticist type of worldview. Um, and I think that's one of the, <laughs> to, 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 to be honest, like it's a, one of the things that was really hard for me was to shift paradigm and say like, okay, if you kind of enter in a religion, um, you, you, you have to, um, to swallow in a way or to, to, to shift your mindset to accept a number of issues. So for example, for me, it was, then hard to believe to start believing in paradise and inferno uh, saying like okay that's part of the message so somehow you have to shift your gear and go there um, and um, it's there are things that really for me have been painful and I really could never come to term with them um, but it but it took me really years to 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 get and also some a number of behaviors or you know way of socializing that I had to 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 adapt to that that were that were difficult um, so I had to force myself to a, a number of things but deeply as I was not believing in them and wasn't where I was not convinced it took me maybe 10 years or maybe more, uh, but I, 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 I came back uh, from this. But I had to look into uh, why uh, some, some of those beliefs or some of the, the, the behaviors that people are adapting and consider as being the norm or the mainstream for, um, for Muslims or as being a Muslim, uh, I re really had to go back to, um, to the sources uh, and try to understand um, how Islam as any religion uh, has been built up, um, as I as I as I say sometimes provocatively, now we know that Jesus did not die as a Christian because Christianity was built after Jesus, but Muhammad did not die as a Muslim because Islam was built after Muhammad. And we, we say this for Muslims, it's just like ah, oh, what? Um, but I, and actually, yeah, when you look at, thing, at at things from a from a historical uh, critical perspective, like and I look at it from an academic, uh, as an academic, I I you, you see how Islam has been built as a religion through the centuries uh, that uh, it was not like uh, you know a turnkey religion that Muhammad the prophet of Islam has been bringing but rather through um, uh, battles through uh, the, the, the different uh, competing powers and interests etc this religion has been built over uh, centuries and become and what we what we have today and still is on the process of changing and evoluting as, uh, as uh, any other religion and 
that was very important for me then to say like, okay, then look, look back and try to bring this anthropological perspective into the first period and try to better understand uh, how the Quran uh, was um, 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 uh, revealed, um, how it interacted with the society, the very specific society of Muhammad. And it helped me uh, 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 deconstruct um, the universal pretension uh, of Islam um, as being embedded in that period, because actually the Quran is saying a totally different story than the what I would say the uh, uh, Islamic sacred history kind of is, is is saying. So it's fair that it says that as a tradition, yeah. But when you look from an academic point of view, actually history is a little bit different. And uh, and from there on, it has been helping me to reground and rebuild another set of beliefs. Um, and I would say that cutting a long story short, no, I'm, 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 I'm really situating myself as well as a, as a liberal theologian within Islam. Um, and this brings me, for example, to, um, to, to say like, well, I, I don't think that uh, to go back to that inferno or even paradise might have an absolutely no ontological existence at all. You know, so, so, so free yourself. Uh, and, and I think that's even more important um, in the sense that um, the way Islam has been specifically for people from Northern Africa, but also uh, Turkey, Middle East, um, uh, uh, it's a bit different in other parts of the Muslim world, but people are more motivated by the fear of inferno and hell than by the love of God or the love of trying to please, uh, to, well, to, to support the community and be good persons just, just because being a good person is just nice. You know, just the ethical argument is not enough. And then when you have a whole region that is built actually or transmitted or taught under the fear of getting to, uh, to hell because you would do something wrong or you would not pray right or you would not wear your headscarf or whatsoever, then actually it, it puts people in, a, in, a, in, in, in really um, moral tensions uh, all the time. And, and basically it frustrates people because they just want to do things, but every, it's as if they are sur surrounded by fire. And if they, you know, like deviate from one inch from what they, the, 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 the prescriptive trajectory, then is the end of that. And many people see that actually life is not like that, that uh, the, specifically for those who living in a Western liberal society is that life is much more complex. It's not just a matter of black and white or I go to inferno, to paradise or whatever. Um, and so really like working as a theologian on those issues is, is really felt as liberating and allowing people to reclaim an ownership and an agency on that religion that they might really appreciate for many different aspects or because they just um, like that direct relationship with God or other things, but they, they feel then like I had to do that work for myself that it's not because you like that part that you have also to take a thousand of years of obligations that have been built upon by people with some interest or thought it was true at that point in time, but actually is not, you know, at, at really the core of what actually 
Muhammad brought when, when in his century, when he was trying to 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 uh, to gain the he was trying to gain the heart and minds of people in, in his society. Yeah, so that's the kind of journey that I would say. And when I say, yeah, I've I had to change and I rechange in a way um, to 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 find that kind of uh, you know coherence that I think is is important to have and not try to bring like beliefs or stuff like that that are that might have been necessary uh, in in those times, but but today we just don't need them anymore and do not correspond about what we know about the universe and stuff like this. Yeah, you, I mean, what, what you now, now just said, uh, it, 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 it is a, a, some, a, a very good description in a nutshell what, uh, especially what, what positive parts, uh, especially uh, Islam, uh, can have uh, also the pro and con you, you just slotted into an edge about this is in my view that Islam is a religion without the strict uh, let's say religious authorities like for example Christianity has which on the one hand is, is a benefit um, as a I would say a kind of liberal uh, religion but at the same time uh, it can also be uh, the opposite because that then you have some uh, self-proclaimed uh, uh, authorities who are maybe uh, try to dictate uh, what what is right and uh, what is wrong. Yeah. So, so, what is your position, especially on that? Yeah. Yes, yeah, that, that's, that's one, I would say that at the same time, part of the DNA of Islam, I would say, and it has also, uh, it's good at bad side. When people tell me sometimes, oh yeah, you know, it was, it would be so simple if uh, like in Christian, uh, Catholic Christianity, there would be a, a, a Muslim Pope uh, and, and things would, you know, would be easier to manage. And I say like, yeah, but, but God forbid that if we had that and you have that Muslim Pope and then he follows Daesh and then we are in deep shit. So I think we, we need to, um, to uh, embrace in a way that that um, complexity of Islam, and I would say to a certain extent, which makes it also you say it, it has the um, uh, the potential to become something quite liberal. I would say it's also something that would be increasingly more in line with the way we are developing understanding knowledge, like through co-creation and collaboration today. In a way that that it, it could go to that kind of very flexible type of uh, of, of um, a community. And, um, but the thing is that uh, indeed there, there hasn't what well, even out, let's say Shism is a is a, um, a minority part of Islam. It's about like 10, 15 person, and there there are some more organized um, uh, clerical institutions that that do govern. Um, I would say uh, the faith, the dogma, and those kind of issues. In Sunni is. Islam actually it it has happened for until the the uh, basically the end of the 19th century whereby you had the four main I would say uh, juridical uh, uh, um, school the, the four main schools of jurisprudence, which actually by the way they were settled whereby they had, they had their universities they had their muftis that were deciding about the main principles of the law you had imams that were sent in smaller villages they had their books of uh, most important legal opinion whatever so in a ways they were kind of controlling the system so that it would completely not run wild yeah 
but with uh, the uh, independent, well, for the first colonization, then independence, then autocratic regimes, they really ruled out those kind of uh, uh, self, I would say, um, uh, self-correction measure that history had developed in a way. So that now you have that really mostly open markets um, where an open and unregulated market of the, of the opinion. So basically anyone can say anything. I would say the, the good side is that it allows for guys like me to still have a voice. Otherwise, I would definitely be shut down because, yeah, I do have uh, knowledge. I do have, but I don't have the credentials from within the system. I'm an outsider, right? But on the other side, in, on the other side indeed, and on top with the social media uh, presence, you just have like a guy who believes that he is, a, uh, he is an imam or whatever, or preacher, and then he can really reach to, to really broad audiences, um, just saying things that are re really problematic. And now we even see this, we had the, the Imams 2.0 that were very active on YouTube, for example, but now it's even getting past. I mean, we, 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 we have uh, now the, the, the TikTok uh, preachers, both male and female, and that are really getting to, the, to even the, so, so the worst of Islam, basically, because at least when you had, um, I would say at least, when even, even if you had a, you know, a conservative 2.0 Imam, he, he would give a speech or a conference so you would have at least like the development of some sort of an argument you know 20 30 minutes one hour whatever um, but now you just have like young lads or ladies they just take like a, a hadith of the prophet a saying of the prophet it's one minute one minute 30 no context no whatsoever and they tell you this is what you have to do to be a good muslim and and they have a, a really an important audience and there you have no nuance whatsoever you can't even enter in a conversation in by any means so that's even more difficult to 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 combat this kind of influence. I would say, like, okay, that's uh, that's I, I do really regret that, um, and I and that's also part of the the work that I'm that I'm doing, and I will come come to it in a in a, in a minute about the training of imams in in Europe. But I think that we we have to uh, use this opportunity to start to um, invest, if I can say, or take a hold on that field. It's open. So, okay, make your voice heard. I know it's difficult. I'm not a TikToker. So basically I know that that's not the field that I want to invest anyway. And we are not a product. generation. Of <laughs> it's not my generation. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, so even like, you know, tweet, Twitter is already a nightmare for me, like 140 characters, like goddamn. Uh, but, um, I think first, what is most important for me is that, uh, we have to produce the content and so far the, the alternative content still it's it's just starting it's it's still not very much existing but there is a demand like a few years a few days ago i just um, announced the the, the 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 publishing of a of a book with uh, three other friends which is called like what is a liberal islam whereby we really start developing and and uh, uh the i'll say the uh, intellectual philosophical and theological tenets of a liberal islam and it was really like shared a number of times, like a lot of people liking. So basically, that's that's what we know. There is a demand for that, but we have to create the content. Then maybe we can send other people, like youngsters, to go on TikTok later. That's that's about communication. But the demand is there for something different. That is not that kind of ultra conservative or traditional type of Salafi style Islam that I was describing before, but something that is more fluid and corresponding to our societies. But that content is just barely not. Barely 
barely existing now. And, and, and it will take years. Uh, and it's an ongoing effort, not only for us, but for the generation to come to start developing, well, not only start, but developing developing further so that it becomes really a, a body of, um, of, uh, of, of, of practice, a body of, um, uh, I would say, uh, of theology, where people can indeed recognize themselves and, and find something solid for to build or get inspiration for, for, for their life. So that, that's one, so production of content. The other one is to start developing what I would call a magisterium uh, uh, in, uh, um, indigenous to Europe um, with um, a, a new generation of, of imams, he and she, um, that would um, be able to uh, uh, give spiritual support, to offer spiritual support to their communities. One of the main reasons that we see for many of the issues that we have is that all member states, uh, EU, European member states, have joyfully delegated the management of their Muslim communities to the countries of origin. Because it was easier, because it was not a, it was a, a pain in the ass less for them, if I can say, um, and but but with the results that we say now that we see now, uh, and of course that was a market whereby um, you had different interventions. So Turkey wanted to have a stronghold on its own communities. You had Saudi Arabia trying to wipe or to wrap them all. You had Morocco, Algeria, all the countries of origin try to provide and keep a link with their diasporas and specifically through the religious channels, bringing their own view and sending imams or uh, the communities here bringing imams uh, from their countries of origin with people that were not uh, and still are uh, not trained to uh, understand the societies in which they, they, they work, in which they preach, and understanding also the diversity of those societies. When I, I'm, I'm often saying like, a normal, I would say, Muslim um, community uh, or a mosque uh, in that in that sense, um, you would have today in Europe, huh? you would have maybe eighty percent of the of the uh, the participants that would be from the the main diaspora origin diasporic origin than the people who are running the mosque. Okay, but the rest are people coming from different regions of the world, different diasporas, uh, convert, non-convert people on the exit way out of Islam, people that are just coming back. You have LGBTQI plus people, you would have people in their families that are married to, if they are Sunnis, married with Shia or with Jews or with Christians, Buddhists, you name it. That's the diversity of the Muslim communities today. I mean, this is what I've seen firsthand in the different mosques that I've seen. So then you bring an imam from Turkey or from Morocco, where they live in still much more homogeneous uh, societies. He's been trained to deliver uh, uh, teachings to uh, homogeneous societies, uh, that are also very much heteronormative and blah, 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 etc. You take all the full package. Then you bring this person here. Of course, he will say what he believes is correct. And from his point of view and how he was trained, but actually this not, not meeting the expectation and the demands from specifically the younger community, the younger uh, um, uh, population that is really, um, I mean, very much yeah, integrated or included within the communities, even if there might be some issues, for sure, we can go into those details. But overall, I mean, the integration process has been on its way, specifically for the third and fourth generation. I mean, and basically, they, they can't connect with, with the imam, and the imam is not a, in a position to provide the spiritual support and coaching that they are expecting. And also, um, imams that are coming uh, it might be a little bit different for Turkey, uh, where imams that are being sent are often at least master in, 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 in some um, uh, 
theology or um, uh, Sharia or, or whatever. But for other countries, you have imams that barely have even, well, a, a, a bachelor degree or whatever. Um, I mean, most of them don't even have that. So they know the Quran by heart, maybe they know some, some hadith, some saying of the prophet, and that's it. But how, how are you going to say something that is relevant for people in front of you who have master's degrees in engineering, that are biochemists, uh, PhDs, doctors, MDs, whatever, surgeons? So basically, they, they have spiritual needs and they won't be met at all. And so we think that, and what I've been trying to do, and this also how we met, uh, by the way, uh, at some point, like trying to put forward, and it has I would have to say received really positive echoes so far in the uh, at the European level is to to say like now we have to to shift here and not uh, and try to organize together with our universities and I said together is between different European member states with the support of the European institution to to build a joint curricula a curriculum for. Um, uh, imams uh, of, for young people that are born in Europe that wants to become an imams, but really making sure that they reach the, uh, at least the level that a priest or a rabbi would have. So basically, it's in uh, secular term getting at least to a master's degree, so that they have the the understanding of the society they are in. They have a real degree. They have been trained to also the critical approaches to the text, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, so that they are in a position to, um, to, to, to better support uh, their um, uh, fellow believers uh, on, their, on their way. And that's how I think, of course, it's a long-term effort. I mean, we, we cannot uh, undo the damage that has been done over the last century in a couple of years, but it's over a generation, we can really do um, a, a, a system, uh, organize a systemic change. Um, and that's possible, but it it requires energy and making and putting all the people on the table. But yeah, that's it. It's it's moving forward. Uh, we know we are there for the long haul. Uh, but otherwise, I don't see how we will be able to, uh, as you say, to to um, compensate for the total free market where you have people that can really say completely aberrant things or even call death on people or whatever, and that we have to get out of that nightmare. Yeah, um, I mean the, the, this this project uh, you were just describing is, is, is definitely a, a very interesting and, and, and promising approach, especially regarding the imam training. Uh, but but how, how can you how can you try in this in this project that those influential circles from the outside who are still, at least for many governments, the, the let's say the main addresses of of uh, uh, question of, of of Islam, like for example Turkey, the Diyanet, yeah, who who definitely, in my opinion, would definitely not support such an idea that the Imam training and the Imam themselves are under the let's say under the umbrella of the European states or the European Union, uh, how, how ca can you try that those groups won't have any, any influence in the decision-making? For example, who will become an imam? Uh, I, I just have an example of a friend of mine uh, her, from, from Turkey, and her son was also interested in Islam, wanted to become an uh, imam 
he he was raised here in in Austria, and so he went to to his Islamic uh, community, and then he was he was sent to a to a Miligurish, uh, university back uh, in Turkey, and when he returned, he was he was yeah. no more a liberal or an open uh, uh, Muslim, but a strong. AKP, Mili Gurush, traditional conservative. So how, I think you, you also have ideas and plans how you can try to prevent at least that those groups will gain influence in, in those decision uh, uh, um, complex. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely um, um, a, one of the of the key issues. I think we will have to 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 go uh, incrementally, and definitely, I think that among all the countries that have an influence on on, on European Muslim, um, Turkey is likely the the, the 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 most difficult bone to chew, um, and because it's indeed well organized, um, they do have a state-sponsored uh, organization, an administration, a public administration, which is the Dianet, as you as you mentioned, which runs also universities in Turkey who, who is um, paying uh, also uh, the imams that are civil servants of the state, uh, etc. So of course, um, it's, it's, a, it's a massive machinery behind. And we know also that uh, yeah, the, uh, the, the attachment of the uh, Turkish uh, diaspora, even third and fourth generation is still very, very strong and entertained. Um, so that, that's definitely uh, one of the difficulties uh, that, that, we, that we foresee. But I think we can still start to move uh, and, and not just get focused only on Turkey, but look at also the other countries, whereby the systems are much less organized. Um, and we, we see the demand from, uh, from uh, uh, young, uh, young Muslims to, to, to find a way to study in Europe. So this really exists. So this is to them that we have, and, and there are, some are also from Turkish background for sure. Um, um, and uh, definitely we, we have to offer something for them that would also meet the needs of our societies and the broader Muslim communities uh, in, in that sense. Now, the way uh, the way uh, uh, imams are uh, appointed, if 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 I if I may say, is always coming from the basis. Um, so it's a community that chooses an imam. So specifically for the Dianet, they send their imams. But if it doesn't work, then the imam is to go back. He's taken back from the Dianet, and they send another one. So there is this kind of dialectic process within the, the within the, the with the local communities. So I think that this is where I, I see the change will happen. Because of course, maybe if we take again the case of Turkey, they have their structural policy. It's important for them, and they will exert all sorts of pressure. That's that's for sure uh, until all the things change. But that's that is likely to happen. Uh, but at the same time, they cannot control everything. And definitely, they cannot control the communities themselves to a, to a large extent. Because what we see for now, and this is what I foresee as well, uh, if you look at the demographics of um, uh, the, uh, the, the boards of the, of the mosques, in most European countries, you, you are facing, you, we are facing the exit of the first generation uh, because they are really old now. So basically, it's time for them to, to, to rest. And we have increasingly a number of second generation and even third generation persons that are stepping up on the boards of mosques. And they come with a totally different background. Of course, 
they might be attached to country of origins of their parents or grandparents, but they are born there. Their parents might have been born there. The attachment is, is, is here. They will not necessarily demand, for example, to be brought back when, when they die, that their, their bodies are brought back to the country of origin because they want to be also buried in, in, in the, the, the country where they live, etc. These are all important mindset shifts that we see that we see happening. So over the next 10 to 15 years, most of the boards of mosques will have changed completely. And then, of course, we will see the demand for imams that are uh, in line with their own aspirations and the aspirations of the broader community. So at some point, uh, I think that in other diaspora, diasporas than Turkey, things will change faster. But even for Turkey, at some point, it will change. It will have to change. Um, so uh, as I said, we are here for the, for the, the, the long run. Uh, but I think that we have to really uh, uh, get step by step and see where we can have possible advancement. So that's one thing. And then the other aspect also of the, uh, the, the, uh, uh, that, that issue is that we see increasingly um, uh, European governments taking harder stances against uh, the uh, importation of imams from the countries of origin. That's one. Uh, and there are really rows over Turkey. And even when we say in Germany, for example, that, uh, okay, in the different universities uh, that have uh, received funding to develop trainings for uh, or theological studies, uh, a number of the... Uh, yeah, uh, uh, and, and others like Berlin also more recently, um, they a number of them have uh, uh, brought in the Dianet uh, on their board uh, for the yeah the uh, I would say the uh, belief part uh, to make sure that it was remaining with the uh, you know within the acceptable uh, forms of Islam and 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 there are tensions from what I heard on those boards because of course Dianet is not always playing game um, so I think that there are raising tensions. We have seen also in Belgium, for example, there was a case where even an imam was kicked out uh, from the Dianet because of spying. So uh, I think that uh, a number of governments will are likely to take further steps uh, to push back uh, the efforts of Turkey in particular, but not only to control um, their, their imams, uh, etc. And so here, I mean, I have no crystal ball that could help me say, okay, this will be in two, three, four, five years. We never know how things will play out. But definitely, I think that that continuing pressure is at least making a, an, a, an impact on, on, on the countries of origin, is that they are themselves developing the idea of training their imams here. So really training young from their own diaspora, uh, of course, in their system, which is still an issue. But as you as you mentioned, they can turn the, the heads completely. Uh, but still, they start saying like, we should even train them in, in, in Europe and not bring them into country to give them a training and send them back. So so they they have to adapt. And I think that this will just contribute of, of making the uh, of, of, of bringing the paradigm shift. So within Muslim communities, to say, well, actually, this is this is what we need. We, we don't need people from from abroad anymore um, uh, but that, that will take here again I see sh- over the, the next decade or so uh, I yeah. think that we will see interesting things happen from that perspective yeah. can, can this this new French law be a, be a good example or are you more critical towards that new law yeah yeah, to be honest, uh, we, we have to see how it will be uh, implemented. I, I, for me, what is interesting with um, what tra- France is trying to do is they understand that they are 
within Muslim communities, like movements and groups that are trying to promote uh, views of Islam that are uh, encouraging actually the self-segregation of Muslims from the mainstream, yeah? to put it in, in that sense. Um, and that uh, if, if let alone, this can lead to uh, also, or there might be a link with uh, uh, people that are then radicalizing uh, towards, uh, vi uh, towards violence and then use uh, violent means, uh, uh, AKA terrorism. Um, so uh, I think that the French, uh, the French state is trying to step in that really gray zone uh, whereby you have people that are not necessarily committing something that is formally against the law, but they are uh, having discourses or whatsoever that are, that are making things problematic. And for now, there is a new conversation about uh, the uh, expulsion uh, of, uh, of a preacher of more than 50, is close to 60 years old now. He's been, he was born himself in France, but he was part of the Muslim Brotherhood for all his life, etc. Um, and so they say, like, this guy has been polarizing the society. Like, let's let's expel it because actually he doesn't have the French nationality uh, and he's from Moroccan background. So I, I, I'm not always sure that it's done with all the, how would you say, within French discernment or the precautions that would need to be taken on that specific case, but at least they are trying. So we will have to see uh, in, in, with, uh, in, a, in a few years' time how that law is actually being, being applied. Also understanding that we are uh, that that yeah some politicians are also using this to yeah to for their self uh, self publicity self advertisement because it sells and can bring some interesting uh, you know uh, news uh, uh, elements to for them um, and that doesn't help to be honest because uh, what you've seen as well is that it um, uh, it 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 it. Uh, it um, takes away the support of, I would say, uh, the, 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 the mainstream Muslims that, that are in agreement that, you know, some forms of Islam or of, of ideology, Islamic, Islamist ideologies are problematic. But when they see people that are not necessarily really dangerous, even for them, are being put under such pressure, they say like, well, this guy is doing like me. So uh, tomorrow I could also be the, the you know, subject of, um, you know, uh, pressure or uh, issues from the state. And, and, it, and it erodes the support of, of the, the mainstream of the Muslim community. So we, we, we have to say uh, there are good elements in this law, uh, but um, if they are not played cleverly, uh, I think it could, it could fire back as well. So uh, I think that in two, three years, we will have a better understanding if it was a good try or it was uh, it was not but it's a complex it's really difficult to get there yeah yeah, yeah sure uh so maybe maybe 20, 20 minutes ago when when you described your your personal uh, uh situation your path uh at one point you said me as an outsider mm -hmm. um do do you have the feeling or with your with your reform ideas are you are you seen by by many uh, Muslims with a, with a migration background in the family at least that they also see you as an outsider, or uh, do you have the feeling that they accept you as a Muslim? It doesn't matter if if you converted or not. You're a Muslim. Point. Yeah. Um, uh, I think to, to, to be honest, like apart from an imam that has uh, that has uh, yeah uh, that has I would say like he has been using takfir against me, so basically uh, saying that I'm an unbeliever, uh, so outside of the community of Islam. No, I think that uh, 
No, no, I, I, I think that it's okay. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm seen as a Muslim, but with strange views, uh, put it, uh, put it very <laughs> bluntly. Um, so the fact is that uh, for some people, uh, it's, I'm, I'm a bit of, um, of, a, of a strange case. And this is what I want to use, actually, because they know people that follow me know my credentials. They know I'm a serious guy. I'm, I'm not just like, uh, you know, telling shit, uh, um, but I'm, I'm bringing perspective on religion that are very unusual. Um, so basically, they cannot discard it right uh, directly. Um, they might, but still they say like, yeah, but the guy is not crazy. So maybe I should nevertheless have a look into what he says. Um, and I think that's, uh, so that, that's the kind of thing I say where I'm an outsider. So basically, uh, I, I can afford to have those kind of views. And also because I'm not part of a, uh, I say I'm, for example, I'm not um, um, from Turkish background, I'm not from Moroccan background, there aren't too many communities in Belgium. So I have also much less pressure on me uh, to conform uh, and to say, no, you, can, you can't say this because it's against us, you know? Um, so, and, and that's really, really, uh, really a, a freedom that I, that I, that I, that I enjoy. I, I am working with, closely with, uh, with friends that are from the different communities. And when I see the amount of either hate mail or, uh, you know, pressure that they receive even from, from friends sometimes to times, or just because they look like them, like uh, they would get like, oh, as a Turk, you cannot say that, or as a Moroccan, you cannot say that. Um, and I absolutely don't have that. So, because I'm, I'm just, don't, I just don't fit in any kind of box. Um, mm. and, and so, yes, I do have the credentials, even then people might decide not to follow my opinion, which is totally fair. I mean, this is my liberal perspective. I mean, you might totally disagree with me. That's fair enough. Um, but, uh, but at least I, I know that in, in, in many, in, in many circles, I won't be followed, but I would be at least respected for what I'm trying to bring, saying, okay, he's making an effort. We might disagree. Well, it, it might be completely wrong, uh, but at least, yeah, he is, he is doing something and he's not trying to destroy Islam, which is, I think, is very, uh, is very important. And this is also something that uh, I've been also uh, uh, I've been intervening in, uh, in uh, prisons for youth offenders or also for people that were convicted uh, for, for terrorism. And it was really interesting to see the conversation with them. So basically, um, I'm called in as, a, as an expert on, on Islam and was in, in prevention of or de-radicalization programs. Um, and then, of course, they start talking about Islam. And then within, within three minutes, the question is like, yeah, are you Muslim? And I say like, yes. And do you pray? And I say like, yes. And do you fast? I say like, yes. Ah, okay. So it's within the, you know, within the circle of uh, acceptable speech. And then I go and I just say the same thing that I would say to, to a non, you know, non uh, in prison audience. Of course, maybe a bit lighter because, you know, you don't want also to, uh, to have a, um, to be, um, uh, to be too provocative. Um, but it's, it's really interesting, very interesting afterwards to have their feedback because it's, you, you see that they are shocked by what I say, because this is not the kind of Islam specifically in a very, you know, um, radicalized circle that they would listen to. And so, but, but, but they cannot, dis, you know, discard me outright. And so they engage in a conversation like, yeah, but what are your sources? Where do you see this? And why do you bring that? And, but you know that you are challenging us and it's dangerous what you do because you might bring people to, you know, uh, getting out of religion. I said, ah, that's not the point, but we, I think we have to, to think ourselves about what we are taught and try to take some critical distance. 
and they do hear that. And I think that for me, this is the most, most important is bring back critical thinking, then let people do their own journey. It's a journey difficult for everyone. Um, and so we, we have to leave the people the time to, to do it. But, but for me, it's really proved that, yeah, um, th th there is still a space for conversation, uh, even with sometimes people that have radical ideas. Yeah, um, but of course we don't have to expect that they would completely come on our side and it's not the point either. But we are reopening that, that space. Um, um, and I think that being in that outsider position is, is, really, uh, is really a privilege from that perspective. Okay. Um, we were now talking about, uh, about more, uh, let's say, theological aspects. Uh, when, when we jump into, into our European societies, and uh, you also deal a lot with the topic of, of diversity, um, I mean, even in, in our majority society, it, it is still very difficult uh, to bring up topics uh, of diversity, LGBTQ+, plus, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera, a new uh, uh, view on, on women, et cetera. Um, is, is this, probably this is, of course, another additional challenge also within Islam. But uh, do you see that those people you were describing earlier from the second, third, fourth generation uh, of Muslims here in Europe are also changing their, their view in society, like here, at least in, in, in bigger cities, the younger people also do. Uh, but at the same time, I see in, 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 the, in the Western uh, society, even in the younger generation, sometimes a shift back to, to, to more conservative views, which are yep. opposite those new points of diversity, tolerance, et cetera, et cetera. So what's, what's your stand on this? Yeah, no, it's um, it's um, for me, it's really one of the, uh, the the complex issues that we have to to deal with, um, and um, I really want to 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 pick up on what you you just said because indeed. Uh, uh, we have, for example, in, in Belgium, like uh, the, 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 the far-right party, Vlaams Belang, um, and now they are really putting forward a new generation of, of uh, um, MPs and, um, and militants, etc. And they are precisely where you, where, you, where you are. So it's not, you know, we at a time where, uh, like, typical, like, uh, um, uh, Front National of Marine Le Pen in France and others, or, uh, you know, the, uh, the part-times, uh, the, the, part, the party of... Uh, uh, this uh, Dutch guy, I forgot his name just right now. Um, oh, uh, yeah, we no Pim uh, Fortuyn, uh, and then the guy yeah. that came that yeah. came afterwards. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they were kind of saying like, yeah, we're still liberal, but this liberalism or that human rights value should be restricted to the white person of the country, basically. Yeah. But now we are even at a generation that says like, no, we need to go to pre-enlightenment period. So basically they are really taking back the philosophers, pre-enlightenment philosophers and, and saying like, no, actually it's, uh, you know, uh, societies are pyramidal, stronger must win. That's totally normal, whatever. I mean, it's really like a complete... Uh, I mean, a shift, um, uh, a flip over of, of the, the values that have on which our liberal societies have been built for the last two centuries and a half, uh, nearly. Um, and, and that's for me, that's really concerning. And anyway, here talking about like, uh, 
young white dudes, I would say, uh, male and females, um, 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 well-educated, um, and and now with some sort of a, of a, of a, of a um, I would say a theoretical background now because they they have philosophers on which they are basing uh, they are thinkers on which they are basing their views, which we did not really have for the uh, for the, the previous generation. I would say still still there, but uh, that would say like uh, restrict only the human rights for the white, yeah, um, which which was a, a, a less easy position to defend in a way. So so that's one. So that's the context in which we are um, in Europe, in which we see that the illiberalism is really gaining ground in in, in important segment of the of the population. We are not talking anymore about two or three percent. I mean, we go to five, ten, no, five, ten, fifty, fifty, twenty percent maybe of the population. So that that's yeah. really a, a, a big part of it. And in that part, of course, you will find some third and fourth generation Muslim that are joining because they think their values are aligning perfectly with them. So that's that's one. So it's a way of integrating as well, but uh, maybe not the way we would we would like to see as liberals. But then it, within the, the the broader Muslim population, then if we if we look at the uh, we we are facing uh, I mean more than a my, my, my understanding is a more than a religious issue. We are facing an identity crisis deeply, whereby we would have some some uh, some young persons uh, from or less young person from the, the 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 second third and fourth generation that are using elements of their religion to position themselves as the opposite of the mainstream, just to uh, uh, affirm their existence uh, or their singularity uh, compared to what would be expected from the mainstream. Um, and uh, they will use mostly like a few, uh, a, a, a small number of issues. We would have, of course, the headscarf issue, that's one. The other one is uh, creationism, where, you know, Adam was created by God, blah, 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 yeah, there is no evolution, blah, blah, blah. And then the issue of LGBTQI plus people. That are really the three uh, defining topics that people, and specifically the answer, will use just to say, uh, you, know, you know what, fuck you, the system, basically. Um, um, but it's, it's not like something that is deeply um, uh, theologically grounded, uh, actually. Um, so it's, it's more like, uh, I would say, like, uh, ideological soundbites that they use just to, uh, yeah, to, 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 to build some sort of a makeshift identity that can be put forward. And specifically, if it can you know, piss your teacher at school, that, that's all good. I mean, that definitely it's a perfect example. But now if we look at the, the broader trends, um, there was a, a Pew survey uh, that was uh, uh, looking at the, um, and the acceptability or accept, uh, acceptance of homosexuality uh, in the US. Um, and they had seen that within 10 years, and I think the survey was just published like a, a couple of years ago, um, they had seen the acceptance of homosexuality within uh, um, uh, Amer uh, American Muslim communities like uh, a shift 10 points from 42% uh, acceptance above 52% acceptance in 10 years. That's really moving very fast. And they were yeah. then Muslims more accepting towards homosexuality than most of the uh, Christian denominations, basically. And uh, what I've seen uh, throughout my 30 years of uh, being within the Muslim communities um, is a, a very similar shift. So of, 
unfortunately we don't have data uh, as we have in the in the in the us on those kind of issues but i would say like from my my own views like the people that i've been meeting across europe and specifically the young generation i've really been seeing the shift whereby even like 15 years ago like homosexuality was total no-go i mean that's forbidden it's against islam blah blah blah, blah. and now it's much more accepted so uh, at the same time we we see that that move forward so i could not say half or you know 50 percent or 60 Person, I have no idea, but I've I've seen really that shift moving on and increasingly. Uh, so so it's uh, it's that's why I said that the situation is complex because within our own societies we have the two movements at the same time. So people that are becoming increasingly illiberal and people that are becoming liberal, and this concern both the majority population and Muslims as well, who are part of the majority population too on many many aspects of their of their lives. And so that makes it different, to, difficult to see at that point of history where actually the, on which on which side the, the, coal, the coin will fall. I mean, it will be yeah. rather on the liberal side, or we, we have to go to liberalism. Now I have to to broaden a little bit the scope. For example, we've all seen like the and uh, following the uh, the decision of the Supreme Court in the US about abortion. I mean, I don't know if you've seen this, but I've been really um, amazed uh, negatively by the number of people. That because of this judgment, they came out and they are from all walks of life and from the population, Muslim and Muslim, that were saying like, yeah, of course, I'm also against abortion. Like, and you say, okay, I thought it was a key in Europe that, okay, outside of fringe groups, you know, uh, um, that, that have always been against that there was a large acceptance that abortion is okay, etc. But apparently many people were just paying lip service. And when they are given the opportunities, they go to the other side. So yeah. I think that it, it has to trigger us thinking about how deep is, I would say, the penetration of of, I would say, uh, human rights, uh, the, 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 the freedom of, of self-governance of your body or whatever us really accepted that deep in our, in our societies. If just like, you know, a trigger like this is, is able to, 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 to bring this kind of, uh, uh, of, uh, of people that feel okay enough to, 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 uh, to, to have views that we thought were, you know, dating back to the 60s or something like that. So, um, yeah, 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 it's, um, it's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a difficult time. And to be sometimes with, with some liberal friends who are just thinking like, guys, maybe we're trying to, to develop a liberal Islam where actually liberalism is just dying. <laughs> maybe we're just like <laughs> contra tempo. I don't know. I think it's still worth the effort. I hope not. But, um, uh, I think it's 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 a, it's a good endeavor to do, but I hope that you are just not wrong and completely against the tide of history. We we'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true, true. Now, very interesting. Uh, the last last point, uh, because you, you mentioned it in in the beginning that uh, let's say one of your first uh, teachers were members of the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, what, what's your stand on it? Uh, I have the feeling that here in Europe, uh, less and less individual terror attacks by Islamists. Now we have to, oh, the question, do we have to find a new Islamist enemy? It's the legalistic political Islam, or do we exaggerate the possible danger of the political Islam, like Muslim Brotherhood, etc. What? How? How do you see it? Yeah, I, 
uh, there is a little bit of, of both of what you say, um, actually. So um, I've, I've been uh, very interested and I've been following this closely after the, uh, the bombing, um, the first bombing in Paris uh, or attacks, let's say Charlie Hebdo, uh, uh, et cetera, in 2015. So very quickly, uh, we had, uh, yeah, the, the attention was on this kind of, uh, you know, um, Salafi types of Islam because Daesh himself itself was is, is describing itself as the real Salafis, right? In a way, in terms of uh, theological uh, theological views of, um, um, and uh, it took, if I remember correctly, something like four five months where we were discussing the Salafis, etc. But and then suddenly the the the, the, the things shifted. And the attention was put on the Muslim Brotherhood. The thing is that Muslim Brotherhood, at least in France and other countries, they condemned immediately uh, the, uh, the attacks and were very clear their imams have been like, without a single doubt, uh, condemning the, uh, the attacks. But there is one also reason to that, is that also from a political and media conversation, uh, we know who the Muslim Brotherhood is. They have organizations, they have addresses, we know the people, etc. So it's easy to, to target at them. The Salafi, it's extremely complex. They don't even, some, it's seldom they do have mosques, but this is a small mosque somewhere in a suburb of XYZ. They don't have important figures in Europe, um, no uh, leaders, they are not organized in association, umbrella organization. They are not planning to, they're not trying to uh, uh, even influence the politicians or whatsoever. So basically it's a, it's, a, it's a reality that is very present, but difficult to grasp in that sense. So if you want to, to have an enemy, it's, it's an invisible enemy in that sense, because you cannot have a figure that can embody who the movement is. And so that, that's, that's complex. Whereas for the Muslim Brotherhood, that's easy. I mean, you, you know who the people are, what are the organization, etc. So I think that it's, 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 it's really like um, contributed to shifting the attention from the Salafis themselves back to, uh, to a political movement that is indeed identifiable, uh, etc. That's one. The second one, the second issue that we have also, and we have, we don't have to be naive about that, is that we have, um, 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 well, the the, uh, the the big battle against the Muslim Brotherhood is not in Europe at all. It's in uh, Egypt, uh, where they were born and formed as an organization as of 1928. And of course, with the internal policies of CC, who make a coup against the uh, the, the the previous uh, um, uh, president that was the first uh, Muslim Brotherhood elected president. So basically, the CC and his administration have a vested interest on trying to make the absolute enemy the Muslim Brotherhood because it helps them at home. It's the same in Saudi Arabia for other reason, and in the uh, uh, United Arab Emirates as well, where they are waging a, a battle to death against the Muslim Brotherhood in particular. And actually, those three countries have been putting massive efforts into influencing also the, the US, uh, but also Europe, trying to gain the, uh, I would say, the, uh, the, 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 the European government to say like, okay, you should declare the Muslim Brotherhood as a terror organization, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they are our enemy, enemy of democracies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Some have been buying into that narrative for different types of reasons. But when I say the, the, uh, the, uh, it's been about, 
you know, like paying articles in the newspapers, um, uh, supporting think tanks, policy papers. I mean, it's been a machinery over the, la the even more than the last five years. I mean, it's been preceding that, of course, but the, uh, the bombings have given more ammunition to that field. So that's also an another reason why we've seen a shift of the conversation. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, Muslim Brotherhood are no angels whatsoever, uh, and, and they have had a, 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 a massive responsibility also in shifting the perspective of Muslims on many issues. Um, so we can say, we can make the, 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 the link that, yeah, uh, people that are the Hezb islami in Egypt and also people that then became the thinkers of, uh, of, of Al-Qaeda, etc., from which Daesh originated, were from the Muslim Brotherhood. Um, so they, they went through that channel and they have been a number of people that have been developing the, 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 the we say, the, uh, the, the jihadi uh, theology that, 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 that came or that uh, spent a number of years of their life within the Muslim Brotherhood. The Muslim Brotherhood has usually condemned them, yeah? But at the same time, for example, what I was seeing is uh, you have, uh, I take the example of Said Qut, who has been uh, among the Muslim Brotherhood uh, in the 50s, uh, then he was imprisoned, and uh, when he was in prison, he really radicalized his views and has been developing really the, the, the basis of all the uh, jihadi theology, basically. So also the, the Muslim Brotherhood has condemned his writing. Basically, you, you see them everywhere in Muslim Brotherhood circles. So there is this kind of schizophrenia or dichotomy. I don't know how to, to explain that. In the Muslim Brotherhood uh, I mean, the, uh, printing house, they would keep on printing, printing, printing. The, 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 uh, so they contribute to disseminate ideas that are part of the, the jihadi core ideology. So you cannot condemn at some point or and, and not do something about it, right? And, and 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 draw the consequences to say at some point, like, yeah, we 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 condemn the associate code or we don't publish it, we don't encourage its reading, whatever. They have never been doing this until today. So you know it's uh it's uh it's uh and, and for example if you take the example of Hamas uh for example which is the uh, Muslim Brotherhood branch uh in Gaza uh basically the Brotherhood says like we condemn all terrorism, but Hamas is okay. Never we, they will condemn. They will always support Hamas. Yeah. And of course, again, I mean, it's uh, it's it's incoherent uh, uh, from 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 that perspective. So that's one. The other is that uh, the Muslim Brotherhood has also, at some point, uh, there was a massive uh, flux of uh, you know people from the Muslim Brotherhood. I would say in the fifties, uh, sixties, uh, seventies, um, even under the uh, the pressure in Egypt, they moved to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia was a developing country. They did not have enough civil servants, so they were very happy to welcome all those Egyptian guys uh, that were trained, uh, you know, with degrees, whatever, um, and they could be immediately put into the administration and develop them. And one of the administration that, uh, that uh, the Muslim Brotherhood uh, invested massively uh, was the Muslim World League. Uh, that is a semi-quasi-administration in Saudi Arabia. And that was that administration that was managing all the funds to the spread of Islam worldwide for building mosques, supporting news organization, putting up libraries, schools, you name it. And of course, then being in Saudi Arabia, Many of the also uh, the Muslim Brotherhood that were in those administration 
Salafized themselves or Wahhabized themselves. So adopting that kind of very uh, uh, you know hardcore views of Islam and very segregative views of Islam, and this is also what they disseminated, and this is also what they um, uh, disseminated within their own branch that they chose to support uh, because they had access to the resources in in also in the European countries. So by doing so, they have been uh, contributing massively to uh, the dissemination of that 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 view of Islam that is really, uh, you know, yes, uh, segregating people, um, being built on identity politics, uh, etc., and of which we pay the price today because they shifted the mindset of, of Muslim communities, also, including also uh, for countries like Turkey, which managed to hold the lines for quite a number of years, but for the last 20 years, just, just could not resist so much and has been itself also with the Dianet being much more conservative than it was 20 years ago. So, so uh, yeah, in, that sen- in those different senses, yeah, the, the Muslim Brotherhood as a, as a responsibility in contributing somewhere or paving the ground for that for movements like al-Qaeda and Daesh to, to, to benefit from that legacy, if I can say, and, and, and put it like, uh, you know, uh, to, to bring it a, a step further. Um, and within the Muslim Brotherhood, to my knowledge, of course, now I'm not connected anymore. It's more than 10 years that I, that I left that. So to left them, so I was, uh, I don't know exactly what's the, 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 the content of their conversation internally, but I've not seen any of those organizations publicly saying like, hey, you know what, we screwed up guys. Uh, maybe we should apologize and maybe we should try to do things about this. So far not. They just do as nothing happened. We have nothing to do with it. So not taking the least or the smallest responsibility into this mess where they do have a massive responsibility, even if they are not responsible directly from the bomb, the, the attacks in Paris or in, that happened in other cities, for, for sure not. Uh, but at least recognizing that in shifting the minds and uh, shifting the, the, the mentalities within communities, you have contributed massively to bring the, to bringing the possibility that this can happen. I think that's important to do as a, as a, as a political movement. If not, then you have to face the consequences that you are that 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 yeah. You, then government, it's specifically European governments, might want then to curtail. Um, uh, uh, um, your freedom as a political movement because you're on, on, on different on number of issues we can say that you are running or contributing to undermine the values and the principles on which our liberal democracies are built yeah so um, so that's uh, really uh, in, a, in a nutshell because of course the situation is always more complex but I mean to try to yeah there is no black or white answer to this uh, and 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 see how how the game is is being played uh, but i think that in any case the uh, the responsibility of the uh, the leadership of the muslim brotherhood is is plain uh, and at least at the minimum by not recognizing the role that they've been having over the last century or so um, and and the mistake that they that they that they've been doing so that that would be for me the minimum and they yeah yeah better. yeah I think we we could talk for another uh, uh, two hours uh, <laughs> it's so interesting <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at least here in Vienna it's still very hot outside and. Uh, we all want, want to enjoy uh, the rest of the summer, uh, rest of the climate change summer. Uh, thank you very much, Michael. It was a You're pleasure. Thank you, Michael. And, for uh, I hope that we might uh, continue our conversation uh, later on.
with Thanks pleasure. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're most welcome. Thank you, Michael. Have a good day.